While this podcast contains little to no explicit material, it is sprinkled with some uncensored swears. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Hello, Orgato. The Omniplex is open, and not in the way you'd expect. Yes. At, at least not in the way we've ever done it before. We're talking about something outside of film. Yeah, imagine that. Or yeah. even comics. We're, we're getting really out there. Yes, we are. We're talking about concept albums. Yes. The <laughs> rocks on which great artists crash. Is it really? I think so. I would make, or or let me put it this way: not the rocks on which great artists crash, because all the best examples that you can think of are by great artists. But the one, the rocks on which bad artists crash, would be the better way of putting it. Uh, yeah, and you find out real quick who's actually bad through this. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Okay, that I did not know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, are you not familiar with the history of? bands that thought they were bold enough to do a concept album and then it's disastrous no oh dear how, how are we supposed to cover this and we're not going to get into kilroy is here or the life of chris Gaines or music from the elder and for 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 those that don't know a concept album is an album that has like a theme or a story or Something that just ties the whole album together. It's the basic premise of a concept album. Mm-hmm. It's a bold experiment. As I said, they're, you know, certainly the great ones that everybody thinks of. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon, Hat Sounds, um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You, you, we know these albums because the artists that did them were, in fact, all-time geniuses. Though I'm not a big Pink Floyd fan, but I'm still going to, I'm still putting them on that tier because... Look, I'm the hard minority on Pink Floyd, so, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And for me, as far as Pink Floyd goes, I'm not like a diehard, but I love The Wall, you know, and we're kind of purposefully excluding The Wall from this discussion. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we, we know The Wall works. We know Tommy can be left out. Um, we know that worked. Been covered. <laughs> Those are the big ones. We all listen to a few. Uh, Zephyr, I'm... You're really the big musicologist of the group, as I see it. Um, yes, no, you put goodness. together our lovely uh, uh, spreadsheet to which we, you know, uh, just added. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm more familiar with the disastrous side of things uh, for concept albums. So this was this was really not my area of expertise, to say the least. 
obviously we're not going to cover every single uh, album that's out there. Lord knows we're omitting a good number of of people from what we've cobbled together, but we're going to discuss at least the ones that we have indeed listened to. And uh, I'm going to start off with you, Albert, since you wanted to uh, talk about Sgt. Pepper. For me, I'm 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 having a hard time figuring out how Sgt. Pepper is considered a concept album in it of itself. Okay. And I'm in like the reading that I've done, it's it tries to explain it, but it's still coming off as a bit obtuse for me, so Okay. So I'm uh, an amateur Beatlesologist. <laughs> I guess you caught. I don't know every single detail about the Beatles, but I know enough. It's uh, the band that I know the most about in my own personal knowledge. So I will say uh, as far as themes go, like as far as uh, how it all ties together, I guess there's a thing that I didn't previously know about before this that. Um, like there are some people that say, "Oh yeah, it's it's about uh, from birth to death," but that's kind of a you know doesn't really hold really hold up if you really listen to it. Like it's just an elusive thing. Like when I'm sixty four or Lucy and Sky with Diamonds is about birth or whatever. It's like that. I don't know about that. But what I do know is that the Beatles around this time kind of were shifting phase in their career. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were going from, you know, live shows and the Screaming Girls. And, you know, they just kind of got sick of that. (laughs) Those girls screamed so loud that they could not hear each other play. Yeah. Like there were no, that was in a time before, you know, they had uh, stage monitors or at the very least, you know, if they did have stage monitors, the girls were screaming over them. So, which shows you just how tight they were with each other. But anyway, they got sick of that scene and uh, wanted to do something else. They played their last concert, the, the stadium concert. Uh, and then I think they took a sabbatical for a bit before coming back together. And then it's like, we're just going to do studio stuff. So they're like, all right, how can we play in this space? Because if we're not, if it's going to be set up to where uh, we are not going to play any of these songs live, then we can do some shit that uh, is not possible to do on stage. So what if we do an album as a fictional band, the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, that starts and ends like it's a concert, but of course, you know, the, the, the end joke is none of these songs can possibly be played on stage because there's a bunch of studio effects there's like stereo stuff in there. Uh, they throw in sound effects from other sources. Like that's the basic, you know, concept of the album that I'm like familiar with that. They just, it's simply an album by a fictional band and the conceit is it's a concert that in real life it can't be played. So it's this, you know, fin- it's this fantasy concert basically. So, you know, imagine 
that imagine that how you will as you listen to it uh what that stage performance would be like when you know the all the boundaries of stage performing are removed but of course you know that was the 60s and now god bands are doing fantastical stuff on stage oh yeah yeah gorillas which we'll mention later like did a fucking whole holographic performance and of course there's the tupac hologram you know there's stuff beyond holograms uh there are two cover albums of this um and what i listened to recently was the flaming lips Um, i did too yeah okay yeah it's different (laughs) yeah yeah it's Yeah, the Flaming Lips tribute for Sgt. Pepper is... It's an acid trip. (laughs) Yeah. It's a wild acid trip. Uh, I will say the other version, just I only wanted to mention briefly because it's like I don't have too much to say on it, but it's Cheap Trick. And the thing with that one was, um, I forget what year it was, but... Uh, they did perform it live on stage. Cool. Yeah. So that's that was the whole conceit of that. Like this, um, this uh, album where the concept is it can't be performed on stage. Yeah, it's a stage performance, and they actually did as best they could, like replicate all of it. You know, you know, Cheap Trick gets a lot of shit, but one of the best live bands ever. Yeah. That they that there's a reason that their live CDs are what people know, not the studio work so much because their live stuff was just insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, and they pull it off. My only complaint with that. And I'm convinced that Americans can't do Sergeant Peppers. No, like no, we the way that it needs to be. Uh, Cause I have one gripe about each of the cover albums, <laughs> especially in the words, because there's a line in uh, good morning look at the time glad good to know that i'm here and they do that yeah that time here cheap trick it's like look at the time glad to know that i'm here it's like no you fucked up (laughs) you fucked that lineup you did a great great job with the performance but you fucked the lineup (laughs) yeah so and the the other with the flaming lips was uh whoever's seeing it like lovely rita meter maid it's like no (laughs) Nope. You, you gotta bounce. <laughs> yeah, it's like the thing with the Flaming Lips uh, tribute is that they got a whole bunch of different artists involved, like My Morning Jacket and Moby and Miley Cyrus are all involved. Yes. And, and so the, the album is uh, rightly titled A Little Help for My Twins. Yes. <laughs> with a W. Yes. And uh, I'm 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 gonna say that the Flaming Lips cover is kind of difficult to listen to, even for me. Yes. Oh, I'm glad it wasn't just me. <laughs> oh, flaming no. Lips are difficult to listen to. Let's just address that. Like you, you suggested I didn't want to come on here and just blast it. <laughs> oh no, no, yeah. I I have issues with with the cover as well, just with like them trying to enunciate words and how some of the sound just kind of is a little too homogenized. Yeah. Especially in the middle portion of the album. Yeah. And I had to just full disclosure. I had to listen to it in two sessions. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> that said, there were there were a couple of good covers on there. They're like, okay, this is nice. <laughs> and then wow, wow, uh. <laughs> yeah, just like the drop in uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is one where it's just full distortion overdrive. Yes. With like all of the colors at their maximum intensity, and you're just like, oh my God, oh. turn it down. Sensory <laughs> <laughs> overload. Very much so. Mm. But uh all right. All right. But yes. That, that is my that is my take on uh Sergeant Peppers and why it's one of my favorite concept albums. All right. Uh, Austin, what about you? Because I I gave you some homework to do for. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm actually going to give us some meat for the cast because I listened to several. Um, I chose one of my own volition, and I don't know if anything sums up my musical tastes more than the fact that the group that I wanted to listen to of my own volition is Coldplay. Okay, I know they're the group everyone laughs at as oh they're the bland bland group, and dear God they're not there no. my god my god a group that's capable of politic is not a bland group i uh yeah i'm a hardcore coldplay defender and i listened to milo Zilato, um which was a very pleasant listen i will point out it's a lovely cd it's good music but my god is it one of the the loosest concept albums that we've got that we're going to co- cover because there's no story there you ha- i had to literally look at the expansive expanded material to understand what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, there's none of that in there. It, what's weird to me about it is Viva La Vida feels way the hell more like a concept album. To me. Uh, it feels way the hell more like it's got more coherent themes. Viva La Vida is very much Chris Martin and the band looking at the fact that, holy shit, we're famous. We've gotten this high, you know, what the hell does all of this mean? And it's a fascinating album. Uh, one of my favorites to listen to. Um, I like the fact that Lost has multiple versions, for example. Oh, yeah, on the uh, Prospects March EP. Yeah. Yeah, because I've, I've got the uh, double... I, I include that I include that when I, in my listen is the thing. Good. Good. As as I should, um, because again, and Lost is one of my all-time favorite songs. Um, my preference is probably the piano version, but after that, uh, I love the Jay Z. I love the the Jay Z inner in um, bit because his verse is just so goddamn great. Um, it, it so the thing is, is that album is it's pretty, but my God, the story is thin. So Coldplay is where I was comfortable. Um. The Flaming Lips, Primus, and Dream Theater are not where I was comfortable, to say the least. Um, yeah, again, you're talking about someone who's an ardent Coldplay defender. Yeah, going to Primus was a bit of a trip. Um, and I do have some thoughts on the albums that I listened to. Um, I'm going to get the Dream Theater ones out first. Um, okay. Um, 
I'm trying to think of what the name is of the 42-minute track that they did. That's It's the second CD of their album. Uh, Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence is beautiful stuff. In a weird way. It's about mental health. It's about dealing with, you know, the things that trauma, you know, mental illness. I'm really, you're going to have to bear with me because this is not my absolute skill set. But it's that each track is a reflection of an of a different condition of someone struggling. Correct. Yeah. And first of all, you hear, it was funny because I heard the band named dream theater and I was like, okay, this is going to be eighties fairy. You know, I'm used to this. No, 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 no. This is heavy metal. <laughs> yeah. This is heavy prog metal. So yeah. Like this is the uh, non-Christmas Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Yeah, this if is you will. this is what that would yes, that's what this sounds like. This is intense. I mean, when you're dealing with mental illness, but I found it really powerful and I found it really evocative. Um, but what really blew me away was the Twelve Step Suite, which was released over several songs, several discs. But you can easily find it on YouTube as one cohesive piece. That's how I listened to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, listening to it made, first of all, it's a much clearer concept. It's, it's much, it was much easier for me to wrap my head around, to be honest, because okay. in part, because there is the description, you hear people talking about addiction, you hear them, you know, there's spoken word through it. And that does kind of give you a little bit of a guide rail. Um, it looks at what it's like to go through addiction to go through recovery, to relapse, and then to come out of it, determine that you're going to be better. Determine that you're going to help someone else who's been in your shoes. And it's fitting that I'm going to, about to touch on Primus in a moment, because I think about how South Park screwed up an entire generation with that damn episode about recovery. About how nowadays, you know, when you talk about 12 steps and all that, it's like, no, it's, it's bad because all people think about is how it's cult-like and all that bullshit it does good it does a lot of good and you know just something i am not aware of this episode oh it's a really bad episode um randy uh gets caught drunk driving he gets into alcoholics anonymous and they convince him that he's an alcoholic and the idea is that telling people that alcoholism is a disease is a lie um trey parker matt stone i'm so glad that now in the omniplex i'm cursing so that i can say fuck you rather pointedly no yeah alcoholism is a disease thank you very much yeah i think sometimes they tackle things that are just way beyond them yeah i i've, I've always had that and i bring all that up and i rant about that because this was great this yeah. dealt with the raw reality that it's a heavy metal listen that it's so intense it's almost like it's in the language of people who are dealing with addiction if you know what i mean Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I gave those ones to you specifically to listen to because I figured you might uh, mm -hmm. be able to wrap your head around them more, especially uh, Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. Oh, because... that one hit me right in the heart. Oh, because I knew it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially when it came to uh, Solitary Shell, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. I, I know what all that, that is. I know. Yeah. Anything that deals with mental health. You know, as I said, I'm a little bit literal, so I do I, I do with, go with a little bit of caution here. 
But this stuff really is, this is brilliant stuff. This is stuff I want y'all to listen to. This is mm-hmm. stuff that I greatly enjoyed. It hit me right. And it, it, it showed me what a concept album can be or should be. Um, now I'm going to point out that I listened to two others. Yes. And I was kind of a little bit allergic to them. Though I respect them, but I was a little bit, because I also listened to a Flaming Lips album for this. Um, I listened to King's Mouth. Even in death, the king seemed to be still alive. Into his giant mouth. Come on, climb inside and see the stars, the storms, the swirls. Yes. Wow, was that a weird ass album? It it is, especially when you consider that this went along with a sculpture that uh, Wayne Coyne did for an art museum where it was literally like a sensory input room and then he just wrote a song track for it. That's really cool. And also at the same time, I'm someone for whom we don't really, we, we really need to say not for me more in criticism. <laughs> we need to say, okay, yes. this is cool. I respect this. It ain't for me. Right. Right. You know, as I said, if I'm the guy who's listening to a heavy metal work about mental illness and recovery and I'm like, yeah, okay, this is my jam. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I have all the respect in the world for Wayne Coyne. He seems like the happiest, most upbeat, chill guy. I mean, when you're collaborating with Miley Cyrus regularly, and yet you're also a 90s just weirdo legend, man, I I dig you. I vibe with you, but this is not for me. It is a a fairy tale, though. It is a... I, I will say that the story is lovely. It's a nice fairy tale, it's just aggressively weird. But that's fine. Yeah. Uh, the plot, just just to fill everyone in, is about the birth of a giant baby from royalty who then grows up. And then at one point, the entire cosmos enters his mind. Oh, my. And then he rescues a city from an avalanche as an adult and all of the people who respected him greatly when he was alive, hold an elaborate funeral ceremony by decapitating him and encasing his giant head in steel. Yep. So that everyone can come inside and witness all of the great things inside the King's mouth. It is. It yeah. sounds. <laughs> it sounds very heady. I really and truly. I pro. I listened to it at work. I probably should have listened to it laying on my back meditating, because that was the proper way to experience it. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But I, as I said, I liked it and I respected it. Yeah, I I gave that one and uh, the Primus one to you. It's just like stuff. Lola could theoretically listen to mm. because they are <laughs> stories, but 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's some... at your discretion. <laughs> I have some thoughts about the Desaturating 7, uh, the Primus album, that are not nearly as nice. Sonically, that it was a really ple- that um, King's Mouth was at least pleasant to listen to. It sounded good. It was fun. It was nice. As I said, it just it goes into the category of not for me. I'm not putting the desaturating seven on that. On that, I'm just going to be honest. Uh, I'm glad this was short because I found it almost impossible to listen to. I mean, really? Okay. Yeah. Like, do and- go on because I just listened to it again before we. I, there is, it really, when I say impossible to listen to, I mean, it's down to the sound did not work for me. Which is funny, because Primus is, they're a little bit closer to, like, the heavy metal stuff and all that. And I, I did mention that I like that. I, I don't know, Primus, I'm allergic to Primus. I, I've had plenty of opportunities to listen to them. I'm allergic. I respect what Les Claypool has done. I respect what a unique, interesting group they are, but good God, I, I, I can't. I just can't. Um, I also found the story of this. When I found out it was based on a children's book, I was like, yeah, no shit. But this was not the kind of children's book that I would have enjoyed as a kid. No. This, this was the kind of cloying, just silly, I don't know. This just was not for me. This was not for me, but I feel like I can be a little bit more critical of it. I, this was, I just did not enjoy listening to this. It was, as I said, it was like listening to a really, what it reminded me of, honestly, is uh, the uh, Peter and the Wolf uh, with uh, Weird Al Yankovic. And uh, Mm -hmm. Wendy Carlos, yeah. And Wendy Carlos. And Wendy Carlos, yes. Thank you for getting that credit in there. I would have really screwed up not to include that legend. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a huge Tron fan. I need to cite the composer. Oh, like like that was a cool use of music and story and just a neat project. That's a great one. This was like that, but it was some drunk asshole yelling in your ear. And that's what Les Claypool sounds like to me in everything he does. He is he's he is he has hit the schlitz and he is angry. But he really, really loves children's books and wants to tell them to you. Sometimes he makes them dirty. Winona's Big Brown Beaver. I hate that song wow. so goddamn much. I, I'm, I'm sorry. This was just, uh-uh. This was not for me. I did not know of any of this, but I'm really not surprised. So, Zephyr, yes. would you like, would you care to counter me? Uh, yes. Regarding, uh this particular entry in Primus's catalog, it is still their most recent album within a yeah. couple of years. Yes, that's true. As their prior one was a track-by-track cover of all all of the songs from the 70s version of Willy Wonka. 
including the little piano riff to unlock the giant chocolate room. Hmm. Now, uh, the Wonka album was what turned me on to Primus, and even then Mm. I can still only listen to them sparingly. (laughs) But uh, regarding the Desaturating 7, yes, it is based on a children's book. Uh, All De Rico... Uh, the Rainbow Goblins. And it, what Primus did is actually the second uh, version of discussing the book because, uh, let me go, go to the spreadsheet, Masayoshi Takanaka uh, did this, uh, I believe in the 80s, and it's a, obviously it's a far different uh, version than what Primus sounds like, but it's a lot looser Mm -hmm. because what with primus it's literally the story and in the music videos it's les claypool dressed up as a pig narrating the story and then it segues into the song using illustrations directly from the book which in turn garnered a sequel uh the white goblin but in researching just the the author, I, I learned that he did the uh, art design for The NeverEnding Story. And you see, that's that's a movie that I'm with Drew McWeeny on. I'm allergic to that one, too, truthfully. So, again, not for me kind of has to come up here a little bit. Correct. I will say that The Desaturating 7 is a nice diversion, but I'm not exactly sure where Primus would necessarily go from there, because... Uh, Les Claypool has done more stuff recently with uh, Sean Lennon as the Claypool Lennon Delirium, in which their recent album, uh, South of Reality, is a bit more biographical because it talks about all these different weird, weird ass people like, uh, well, Jack Parsons, uh, the astrophysicist and who uh, was into cults. You also had Amethyst Realm, a woman who uh, wanted to be married to a ghost because she experienced sex with it. <laughs> okay. And a Russian kid named Boriska who claims he's from Mars and advanced civilization and directly using the phrase indigo child. And I'm like, oh, you're oh, that God. kind of per- oh, Yes, God. yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. And yes, I do respect Les Claypool's talent. I have, uh, I did have the chance uh, back in 2019 to see uh, Flaming Lips tour when they were doing uh, the release for King's Mouth. Mm-hmm. And see, was, I bet that was amazing. Oh, yeah. It was, it was fucking Woodstock for me because, like, it was this. Uh, Claypool and Delirium and Particle Kid, which is uh, one of Willie Nelson's sons, just okay. doing neo psychedelic shit. And I'm like, okay, I'm here for this. Well, hmm. I mean, you clearly grew up in a house where marijuana was openly smoked. I mean, it's Willie Nelson's kid. Yes, yeah. they did. So, but yeah, it's it's an interesting diversion. Uh, there was going to be at least going back to the Flaming Lips, they were going to do a track-by-track cover of 
the Beatles Magical Mystery Tour, but when they found out that the Flaming Lips did the Sgt. Pepper album, they dropped that entirely. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to do uh, a tribute to Rush by covering A Farewell to Kings, but COVID happened. Yeah. See, I would love to have, uh, like, because I, as I was listening to Sar- their Sgt. Peppers, I was trying to f- figure out, um, because, you know, the Beals did a lot of drugs. Uh, uh, trying to figure out which album they could cover where it'd be like, yeah, this fits. I think Magical Mystery Tour would fit that bill pretty well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, as I said, you know, honestly, I say that King's Mouth wasn't for me, but you know, watch in a year and I'll bet I've I've listened to it three or four more times. I I would wager that's going to happen. Yeah, because it's sticking. I yeah, think. it is sticking, and it's a lot. It's has a more definitive plot than what other people say is, or what people would say the same for Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. Which no, I've seen people argue that Yoshimi is a concept album, but that only carries through to like maybe two songs. Yeah, two songs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which of which I love that song. I, that song is on, you know, my rotating playlist. Oh, yeah. I, I talk about failed concept albums. One of the things that you will see a lot of times is that the concept albums have too loose of a concept to work, and then they don't have good material behind it. Like, as I said, Milo Zilato, I had to find the story, but at least the music was good yeah. there. But, like, I mean, look, no one can be shocked that Kiss made a really crappy concept album. Kiss doesn't make good music at all. Also, Gene Simmons, I'm reasonably certain, is a monster. He was good in Mike uh, Mike Judge's extracts, though. Boy, Mike Judge knew exactly what to do with that man. Yes, yes, he was. That is actually the one thing um, that I think of him, and because I have no... Like, I don't listen to Kiss. <laughs> uh, neither do I. Just I Nobody haven't. listens to Kiss. <laughs> you watch them. I also know of the, the family guy, uh, Kiss Saves Christmas. Yeah. Okay, that was actually great, too. But, but that's, um, that's about it. But no, like, um, yeah, <sighs> Extract is such an awesome movie. Oh, yeah. Extract is so good. I I love that movie. Um. You know, I mentioned the life of Chris Gaines. It's funny how so many of these uh, of these concept albums, the reason they failed is they were meant as something for something else. Like, the life of Chris Gaines was meant to be the soundtrack for a movie that was never made. Um, the same thing goes for um, music from The Elder, obviously. The movie was never made. I'm shocked they never even made that into a comic book. They never just got that out of the way, as much as Kiss is still a brand. But like, you know, I'm not shocked. But the thing that they all have in common is that they're so loose that there really is no, there is no concept there. Um, Have we all seen the uh, Train Records episode on Kilroy was here? I have. It's been ages, but yeah. Yeah, um, I rewatched it for this, uh, thinking about that. And they really nailed that. What 
he nailed it when he said, you know, Renegade would fit this album better than anything else that was on there. Yeah. Again, I'm not shocked. Sticks had a few good songs. They weren't very good. Just saying. Renegade is an awesome song, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. We, we might get some hate mail on this one. <laughs> oh, come on. That's okay, though. I cursed out <laughs> the creators of South Park. Yes, you listen, did. <laughs> listen, 16 years ago, I would have gotten hate mail from myself, so... Yeah. I'm not I'm not at all bothered by this. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> Tastes change. Of course. Also, if South Park had stopped in 2004, I might not be saying it. Yeah, yeah. I do not partake of them much myself, but that's a whole other cast. That's a whole other cast. We might need to get to that because you know that yeah. I get more hate mail over my um, Team America review than anything else. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the thing funny. that people get mad at me about. About Team America. Well, a movie that barely feels like it was finished. Yeah, I think they. Uh, I think they even hated doing that one. It shows. It shows. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, we're way off topic. Way that's off fine, topic. Uh, uh, can I get into gorillas for a second? Please do. The floor is yours on this one. Excellent. Okay, so I got into Gorillas in a major way a few years ago. And I think one of my favorite things, it turns out, uh, is fictional bands. Mm -hmm. um, I have a, and I have quite a few of them in my in my musical. If we're gonna get into fictional bands, then I'm gonna talk about a concept album that I consider a concept album after you talk. So go. Awesome. Okay. So when I say fictional bands, I mean like uh, bands with fictional members that put out like re that have a real musical career. In this case, uh, gorillas are uh, four cartoon characters: Noodles, 3D, uh, Russell, Murdoch. I believe that's right. And uh, they are in real life: um, uh, Damon Albarn of Blur. Uh, and Jamie Hewlett, uh, most famous for his uh, work on Tank Girl yes. and uh, a few other comics. And the style is the exact same. Uh, he's a, a comic artist, if that wasn't clear. And uh, Hewlett's awesome. Yeah. And uh, they work together to kind of weave together, weave this band's story together. Um, and uh, Damon Auburn does the music bit and Gorillaz in that case in the musical sense is just david auburn with a vastly rotating like series of guest stars which you know they are fully credited it's gorillas featuring blah 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 so that's that's the band so 
pretty much anybody that's worked with gorillas is a member of gorillas, which is pretty dang cool. Uh, you know, it makes all their albums wildly diverse. And uh, the one the one album specifically that I want to talk about is Plastic Beach, just because it's the most it's the one that I can discern the most story from. Mm hmm. I say story like if you listen to a Gorillaz album from front to back, you won't really like they're all kind of themed, but there's no like quote unquote story. It's just mostly like theme. And the Gorilla story actually comes from like everything around the album, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Like the music videos have some, you know, some of that uh like they do multimedia campaigns like a cool thing with the now now in 2018 was that uh there's a bit in one of the videos from humans where like russell uh, their their guitarist does like a weird like drug deal or something in a club and so in the next album he's in jail <laughs> So they had like a multimedia setup where you could just ask Russell questions while he's in like prison. It. Yeah, it was great. And they would like, it was obviously a bot, but they, it would come up with responses. And uh, he was replaced in that album with a member of the gangrene gang of Powerpuff Girls lore because uh, Jamie Hewlett is good friends with Craig McCracken and there's a lot of crossover there. <laughs> Another one of my favorite tidbits. There's a gorilla's ad in the um, in the Powerpuff Girls movie. But anyway, so yeah, Plastic Beach is basically uh, the characters end up on this uh, like deep sea styrofoam landfill, and it's like basically where all the trash that's been dumped into the ocean kind of coalesces into this island. So it's like a getaway and made of excess and you know on the album they describe the beach and it's it stinks to high hell uh but it's a getaway destination they build a house on it and everything there's a whole plot line in there where russell their drummer is kind of away so he's been replaced with a drum machine for the album um and with a thing that he's not thrilled about so he gets exposed to radiation and uh, becomes huge. So there's a bit in one of the videos where he's just swimming under the water and he is huge. And Noodles is just kind of riding on top of his head like he's a submarine. There's a whole it's a whole bunch of crazy shit. Uh, if any of this sounds interesting, I highly suggest just digging deep into Gorilla's lore. And there are like uh, uh, YouTube videos of people that kind of piece it together uh if you want to experience it that way like each of the albums has kind of a villain like one i almost talked about was humans but you know i didn't want to get too much more into the trump stuff because that was being made in uh 2016 while the election was going on and damon kind of went hey um let's make an album about what would happen if trump would win because you know he's not oh, gonna win God, he's totally it. not going in and then as it was as they're finishing up the album and as the reality was dawning in they just kind of all went oh no oh shit <laughs> so they put out the album and he like scrubbed all all direct mentions of trump just because he didn't want to give him the attention but anyway so plastic beach is a great album it's a great listen you know all of their all of their stuff is very conceptual 
but also very listenable. Uh, is good stuff. I highly recommend. And all their like all their side stuff is very entertaining and funny. Like if you want to look up around this time, um, Spotify has a playlist called Gorillas Are Ten, and it is a basically track list of um for their 10 year anniversary of um like all their best ofs but with like little radio dj like interruptions from uh murdoch <laughs> the most crazy one of the bunch just kind of reminiscing about the last 10 years i mean last time we spoke Plastic Beach Island, my gorilla-style hideout, was under attack with bullets flying left, right, and center, planes crashing into the building. So, anyway, that's my bit on gorillas and pl- specifically Plastic Beach. I'm going to be real quick about this because I really don't try to con- include soundtracks for movies, but there's one movie soundtrack that I feel like does become a concept album a meditation on popular music from the 50s to the 80s. It includes samples of all of it, you know, just stylistic parodies that are spot on, and it's got a good black cover. Of course, the This Is Final Tap soundtrack. Of course. No one knows who they were or what they were doing. That's a good one. I think I think that works really well as a meditation on popular music and what it became. Because that's what the film is. That's what it studies. Um, and the, the songs on it are perfect parodies of, and especially of how artists that didn't have any meaning, any intelligence, who were just in it for the fame, what did their music sound like? And it's a really good meditation on how did Jefferson Airplane come to record We Built This City, basically. That's what it feels like to me. It, it, that's one of my favorites. Um, God, the music on it is so good. And it's interesting to me that they've done two other Spinal Tap albums, one of which was basically a cover version of the uh, soundtrack album that sounds like utter dog shit. Uh, it's atrocious. I'm mad they released it. And then the other was an attempt at an 80s heavy metal album. And y'all just stick with the soundtrack. They never recaptured that magic is what I'm saying. Never. So that's my addition. Uh, for me, I've decided to go back to at least some of my roots with uh, Mannheim Steamroller. Good shit.
I've always felt like Mannheim Steamroller was the better version of Trans-Siberian Orchestra, if that makes sense. It it depends. It, it, it highly depends on the album, because right now Mannheim Steamroller is just the crit like one of the two christmas mm. bands yeah. outside of trans-siberian orchestra but rather than focus on christmas covers i went with their fresh air series in which each album has its own theme so like the first four are on the seasons uh number five is uh early 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 sci science fiction themes uh Number six is Greek mythology. Number seven is about the number seven itself. And then number eight was on infinity. But the thing is, if he didn't know of these themes, these songs are so malleable that they could just be about anything. Because I've, I grew up with their Christmas stuff and listening to uh, some of the Fresh Air albums, and revisiting it for this cast, they were a one-trick pony. Very much so. Like, you, you're going to get the drum kit machine, you're going to get the... Like, there are certain beats that you just hear through different songs, and it's, like, it it's very homogenized. And part of me is like, why why did i like this but i will say if you're gonna get a fresh air album get the interludes album where it's just like the piano stuff and it's a lot more uh meditative than the albums themselves in full because like vivaldi did it right with his four seasons because they actually sound like what each season is supposed to represent here it's very hard to distinguish. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Alan Parsons' project. Tales of Mystery and Imagination, just straight up doing Poe stories. Cool. Yes. And then uh, Eric Wolfson would go on to do more, like a second album of Poe stories, and then turn that into a musical. Uh, he also did what is essentially a rock opera about Freud. Interesting with uh, Freudiana, and that one has a bunch of uh, guests on it as well, uh, mostly like British bands, and then Leo Sayer pops in as well. Interesting. Yeah, the uh, musical itself only uh, was shown in Germany, and there is a separate German album for that, where the songs are in a different order and obviously done in German, but what, if you know the English version, you're going to understand the German version, is what I'm saying. Uh, and then Alan Parsons himself has done some 
uh, concept work as well after the band or the group split up by doing a on air, which is essentially uh, themes on aviation. And it's a nice soft rock 90s era jam session, honestly. Sounds cool. Yeah. And it came with like a CD-ROM where it would it would give you like the details of the history of aviation. It was a very, uh, it was a new concept back then just to have like a second uh, CD or bonus material for something like that. An enhanced CD. Yeah. I remember those. I loved those. But it's also like mid nineties. So you get that nice aesthetic too. My CD-ROM still plays it, so... Cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, it still works. And then uh, he did one on the time machine. Not necessarily the H.G. Wells story, but just rather uh, about, like, time and memory itself. Mm-hmm. And that's when I did listen to uh, for the cast. What What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm not as fond of that one as some of the others that he's done, at least solo-wise. Uh, it was interesting. Like, I am not at all familiar uh, with the, the artist. So it was kind of an interesting, like, at-work listen. Like, it's a lot of instrumental uh, with, like, uh, like so... Like maybe half the half the songs have lyrics, uh, but yeah, with like the interthread of of narration, mm-hmm. and uh, it was an interesting listen. Just a just a sort of meditative thing to listen to at work. Uh, so it was nice. I liked it. His most recent album is the Secret, which marks his first album since. 2004 uh with a valid path where he just kind of it's a lot more electronic based and it's also some remixes of not just work from the alan parsons project but his solo work as well if you know where things come from and the secret is basically about magic it it kicks off with a rock version of the sorcerer's apprentice hmm also yeah also just dealing with uh it like there's no like there's no storyline but it's also like a meditation on like uh knowing when to uh stop performing mm-hmm. uh let's see what else. i also listened to a uh, muse for for this cast uh ah uh, yeah Yes, simulation theory was heavy in my rotation.
I must say, thank you so much for introducing that to me, because uh, that's like I listen, I watched um, some of the like the first few music videos in that, as well as the oops, as well as the um, the trailer for the concert film, mm-hmm. and uh, it's good shit. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. very good shit. About uh, yeah, you know, is this actually real or are we just in a simulation? You know, just kind of like sci-fi dealings and the whole aesthetic of the album. Like yes. just looking at it, it's very, very eighties, eighties uh, cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, the first video, like at least in the chronological order of it, you know, of course you mentioned had Terry Crews, um, mm-hmm. and it's a love letter to eighties cinema. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like the cover itself resembles a Ready Player One. Yeah. Strikingly. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to delve uh, a little more into the the like concert film side of it, because uh, that did look interesting. Oh, yeah. The concert film is like its own separate narrative in a way, mm-hmm. but also uh, features a little bit of the music videos, but not... But, like, the music videos themselves are a separate timeline, you would say. Yes. Compared to uh, the concert film. Alternate alternate versions. Alternate universes, you could say. Yeah. I mean, they did have some remixes that they dubbed alternate reality. Yeah, which I did. I did see that in the Super Deluxe version on Spotify. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, there's honestly a lot that we could have could just cover. And... Let's actually let's find a way to maybe make the Google Doc available for people. Yeah. As far as like put it on the blog? Yeah. We can certainly do that. Because there's a there's a good list here. Because there's so much that we can't cover here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cause like I would have I would love to do more of like discussing the Black Parade <laughs> and how it's still really damn good. See, I think there's another mm. there's another example though that proves what I'm talking about about how the better a group is, and My Chemical Romance is fantastic. Um, the better their concept album is going to be. But then again, it also occurs to me that Gerard Way is a storyteller in other media. Yeah. Um, it's so bizarre to me that he had this career as a rock star and then he has this entire separate career for which in comics, he's mm-hmm. a rock star as well, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Comic fans love that dude. Wasn't it that he, um, like initially tried to be a yes. comic writer? Like yes. he kept yes, getting nose and then yeah. he became a rock star and that opened the door for him. And the bizarre thing is that I think what he was trying to push at first was umbrella Academy. Hmm, yeah. So he had the goods. He absolutely had something that worked in two media now. Yeah. But, you know, just didn't get the chance. And um, it just goes to show, yeah, you never know, because I, I, I love the guy. Yeah, he seems like a good dude. Yeah, we've we would really love to just like dive into like more of, of this stuff. And we kind of will in upcoming casts. And some of these albums did 
translate into other media. Our next cast is a real good segue out, to say the least. Yeah. Because we do know exactly what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm. What is it going to be, just as a reminder? It's going to be Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Ah, yes. Our Pride cast. More music stories coming, and we will have a special guest on that one. Yes. My uh, own green-haired girl, uh, my wife, will be coming on to join us for that one. Yeah, I got, uh, I haven't seen the movie or any of the, like, anything outside the soundtrack, but I got into the soundtrack because of y'all, because uh, you had that at your wedding, I did yes, your wedding we did. video. Yep, <laughs> we did indeed. So, yeah, and we will be talking about that next time. Yes. You can find us at theomniplex.org. Uh, all our contents there. We write articles. We have two podcasts that have their home there. Uh, us and the Order of the Snoot. And uh, let's see. Our Twitter is uh, at the Omniplex. Our Facebook, you know, the Omniplex Podcast on Facebook. You can email us. We are the Omniplex Podcast at gmail.com. I think that's correct. And yep, email suggestions. You know, just send us love, send us hate, send us anything. We'll take it. <laughs> we can take it. Come at us. Uh, what? Questions, comments, snide remarks. Exactly. Be sure to like rate us on uh, whatever whatever podcast platform you get us, and uh, it, it helps us out. Tell a friend about us. We love you. And that's the end. <laughs> I'll at you, boys. Yes. So bye, everybody.